Standing up in McKinney, this is According to Callus, and I'm back. It's January the 19th, coming to you that afternoon, episode 336, and today is going to be part two of The Problem with Power. Unless you forgot, please go back and re-listen to the previous episode that lays down where we're going from there to here. The reason being, if you don't understand what's going on around you, you're going to run into trouble. So again, this is part two. Welcome to the machine. Part three will be next week, Thursday, the cry for liberty. And just in case you were wondering, that was episode 331. So here we go. You know, I think about the, uh, the Pink Floyd song, right? Welcome to the machine. Now, I'm not sure that the authors of that song had my interpretation in mind, but you know, when you make music, when you create art, it is subject to the interpretation of the person listening or looking at it or perhaps even reading it. So I'm here to tell you that every political organization has a machine. Some are good, some are bad, some are effective, some are ineffective. And The worst outcome for we the people is when the machine is both bad and effective, right? So what I would suggest to you, having grown up in Milwaukee, and when I say Milwaukee, just rest assured I didn't actually live in the city, but I was within, uh, shall we say, the territorial punishment range of the bad things that happened in the city, the machine there was near impossible to break. Now they finally broke it in my absence after I fled the the state 25 years ago or actually 27 now. I, I don't know. It's been a long time. They broke it at least temporarily, but the machine has reasserted itself because they have a solid bench and they have a good army and unfortunately for those people still stuck in the city of McKee, or <laughs> the city of Milwaukee, uh, the long-term outgood is not good. Likewise, if you would look just 90 minutes south of me was Chicago. And you want to talk about a machine. The, The only machine that maybe surpassed the machine in Chicago was that of New York. And because of that, we don't need... We, we don't need to go down that path, right? Uh, Chicago was bad. New York was bad. Milwaukee was yeah, bad, but not nearly as powerful in some respects as what came out of Chicago and New York. And, and the, the issue was is Chicago and New York pretty much dictated terms to the rest of the entire state. Milwaukee didn't have that power. And fortunately, in the state of Texas, we don't have an entirely dominant city. Now, if you were going to throw a county in there or a mm, district, yeah, Harris County and the surrounding area does have its thumb on the scales. And it is definitely weighted, but that is offset by what goes on in San Antonio and what what goes on in DFW. And when you lump together enough of the smaller areas, they can offset that. The problem is the complacency has allowed the other side to build their machine. Now, I want to clarify a couple things here. And the machine can 
be benign. The machine can be abused. The machine can be used for good things and for bad things. And it should be always scary. It's never an ideal to have a machine. But when one team has a machine, you best have your own machine. So as I look out in the city of McKinney, there is a machine. Some would say there's one in Collin County. I know there's one in Plano. And if it was benign, that would be one thing. If it had truly the best interests of everybody involved, that would be one thing. Now, they largely would be, in my opinion, considered apolitical. That is, they are no more Republican or Democrat in principles. Largely, it's about the money and the control. And I've talked about this time and time again. You can't have one without the other. Yeah, money and control. That That's what it boils down to. Now, if it just so happens that it's advantageous for them to work with the Republicans this time around, they will. If it's advantageous for them to work with the Democrats, they will. The idea that it should be all or none is, first of all, kind of a foolish idea. But second of all, never occurs to these people because they don't act based on the principles that a liberty lover would have. Okay? So... That's going to take us into the next uh, step of this, right? So there's an old movie, uh, The Substitute, Tom Berenger. Great, fun film to watch. I mean, if you've enjoyed They Live, you'll probably like The Substitute. You know, another movie from the 80s. But there's a comment between he and the principal, the school he goes to work at, where they retort back and forth the difference between power achieved and power perceived versus power perceived is power achieved. So what I want for you to consider, my listeners, is what exactly are we dealing with? Are we dealing with power that is merely perceived, thus we think it's achieved? Or are we uh, dealing with power that's been achieved, therefore we can readily perceive it? Okay. So each city, each county, each um, breakdown district, if you will, has its own interpretation of events, its own understanding of what's playing on. But you need to be able to look at this and make the determination on your own for where you live. Now, I will tell you, in my city, the city of McKinney, I would give it a... 60% power achieved, which created a 90% power perceived. What do I mean by that? Well, the machine currently has the entirety of the school board and the entirety of the city council. But I don't think that they have 100% control. Well, I know what I said. Okay. They have six out of the seven on the school board. And I think it would be fair to say they have five fully in lockstep on the city council. Now, I'm confident that the two guys that I'm thinking of that are slightly uh, not 100% aligned have their own reasons and their own concerns for why they're not 100% aligned. 
But by and large, when, when once you have four, it really doesn't matter. You have control. And we've seen this play out both at the city council and the school board. And where you're at, you should be able to go in and kind of see what's going on. Now, in fairness, most people that get elected to these positions do spend time with each other, both on and off the clock, if you want. And that's normal. I mean, that's to some degree appropriate, right? They have to work together. They have to share vision, share ideas. But when you get into that group think, when you get into a spiral of this is the only way to do things and we can't consider anything else, that's dangerous. That happens in the machine. The machine the runs into the danger the more powerful they perceive our, themselves means it becomes less likely that they will continue to achieve that power, right? You can only ignore the public, the mass, for so long before they push back, before they overcome. Now, I don't know how that's going to play out. I, I'm, I wish I could prognosticate and say, oh, don't worry, we're going to flip the board or we're going to flip the um, city council. Even if I was confident that, that was the case, that we had the best candidates, they were so much better, and they had all the money in the world, I would be foolish to get out there and start running my mouth about that, right? Kind of tipping the hand. So what we're dealing with is a situation where we have to work with what we've got, and we have to work with who is there. And for better or for worse, one of the tactics that's been taken for the last year is confrontation. Constant confrontation, maybe a legitimate confrontation, but it grows old. It, it causes both sides to dig in their heels. And the people that are in the middle, the people that ultimately are going to decide the outcome of all these elections, they're looking and then it becomes a question of who do I believe? Who do I perceive has my best interests? Who do I think is the one that's most concerned about my issues? And that's that's really where this goes, right? So once we acknowledge this and once we know that there is a machine, the question is, is how do you come up with a counter machine? How, how do you come up with an effective counter? Now, there have been multiple grassroots organizations and there have been multiple ideas of how this is going to happen, how this should happen. And I will tell you, observing some of this first and second hand for a decade, inevitably what happens is it becomes... And this is, to be clear, not shade towards any one specific group. This is not even casting shade on one side of the aisle or another. It's just inevitable. When you have a group and they start to gain some prominence, they start to gain some panache, some power, some influence, there becomes a race to the top, if you will. Somebody wants to take credit for it. Somebody wants to be the front man. Somebody wants to lead the charge. Now, if we you got to love technology, don't you? <laughs> I guess if I ever learned to speak without using my hands, I'd quit uh, knocking plugs out. In any case, what I was saying is we've watched this play out firsthand and we have to decide what, you know, how, what is really important? Is it who's in charge or is it getting the mission done? And I'm a firm believer, mission first, mission before everything and you set aside your personal, but not everybody agrees with me. Not everybody sees it that way. So then I have to decide 
And I, and I, and I'm saying, I'm giving you my side, my story, my interpretation so that you can look at this and make the determination for yourself. What's the right thing to do here? Where do I go with this? Do I partner with a group? Do I partner with an organization that I largely agree with, but they're maybe going about it a way I don't care for? Or do they mm, follow the lead of somebody that maybe doesn't have the same goals that I do? That's a challenge. And, and you, you're going to observe, observe this firsthand if you get involved with any of this stuff. But the general public, the general public that's out there just looking at what's going on and observing the two sides of the dichotomy, if you will, they see a lockstep, uniform, well-crafted, and well-messaged campaign or slogan or mission from whichever side, they're very unlikely to question it. They're very unlikely to change what they see as a good thing. So you've got two options. You can come in and just be negative all the time and just attack all the time and just tear down what their story is. And in some cases it's necessary and appropriate, but the reality is, and I I know I've preached on this before, right? You can't take something away and not have something to replace it. You have to have something, at least in your mind, that's better. So I'm going to give you an example. The McKinney Airport, right? McKinney National. I'm going to guess ballpark. The city, the people here have invested $100 million in that project. And we'll just say it's over the last 20 years. And here, look, I didn't look it up and I don't care if it's accurate. This is just a starting point for conversation. If it's 80 million or if it's 150 million, it doesn't change what's going on here. It's just a starting point. So we're going to call it an assumption. We're going to assume that in the last 20, 25 years, the city of McKinney has invested $100 million into the airport. They tell us, well, the airport is now showing a net profit. Okay. How do we come up with those numbers? How do they get there? How much are we subsidizing or are we not subsidizing or, you know, where are we at? Okay. So that's the starting point. Now I've had somebody in the past point out that Fox news, when it launched, lost money and lost a ton of money for the first several years. It was there. They made a giant investment in gamble that turned it into a behemoth. Now, I won't talk about what happened there in the last five years. That's largely irrelevant. But, so you can lose money making an investment that has a big payoff later. So the story or the theory is that if we continue to do this with the airport, we're going to get a big payoff later. Now, I, for one, don't hate the airport. I, for one, think transportation is a good thing. I, for one applaud the idea that we would have a national airport in Collin County and the fact that it's in McKinney so much the better. I'm good with all of that. I'm concerned about how some of the thought process went into the P and Z around it. That's planning and zoning. I am dubious that it was done in such a way to protect the general public, but I accept that that's the way things get done, right? 
we accept that the powers that be get their cut first and the rest of us get what's left. But on the whole, in theory, we're all going to benefit long term. We're going to have a nice functional airport, which is going to bring in tax revenue, which eventually is going to start to pay itself off or at least prove a net income for the city. And when you're talking about $100 million, paying that off anytime in the near future does seem like a pipe dream. But again, if you're looking at a sunken cost, something you've already absorbed, we want to we want to increase the revenue. And we want to do it in such a way that the revenue outpaces the debt, or at least the debt payment. That's the theory. You know, when you expand a city, you're bringing in new people. You're bringing in new customers. You can afford to pay for the work you're doing there. When you have to go repair existing plant, when you have to do redo sections of the city, there isn't necessarily the money there to do that because it wasn't necessarily built correctly into the structure. And that's nothing unique. It happens all the time. It's not anybody's fault, especially, and I want to say this absolutely clearly, 90% of this predates the current mayor and his administration. So this has very little to do up to this point with our current mayor. Okay. So it's been decided that now that we've invested all this money and we've got some people interested in flying out of there and we're seeing the income offset the debt payment. So it's net positive, at least in theory, never mind the fact that we've got this huge bucket of debt. It's because we have little payments that we can do this. Okay. So now I saw the idea floated out that we need to spend an additional $200 million to expand the airport. Okay. That's a fair question. But my question, or I'm sorry, that's a fair request. But my question would be is one, is there an actual need at this time? Two, can we prove out that there's going to be an actual need shortly? Three, do we have any written agreements stating that if the city of McKinney's National Airport accomplishes this, this, and this, we, whatever airline, is going to bring service here? In other words, we've got a guaranteed um, service that's going to be present. I think that's Far more important than anything else is if you're going to do this, if you're going to spend all this money or take on all this debt, if you will, we have to know that somebody else is vested. Somebody else is interested in what's happening. So the machine, the McKinney machine is already decided for us that we need to have a bond and they're going to go all in to get this bond passed. And anybody that questions it or isn't sure about the details or looks at it sideways, well, you hate progress. You don't want what's best for McKinney. You aren't interested in, you know, improving the city. You're okay. That's, that's your answer. I get it. But let me ask you this. Do you have answers for any of those concerns? Do you have, um, anything to mitigate the negative effects? Now I get it. If somebody's been on the east side of the airport for 40 years, they're going to lose out. And they probably need some form of compensation. Maybe, just maybe, part of what's in this $200 million bond package is paying them off. I don't know. I haven't looked. I don't know. And even if I were to look and know, I'm not sure it would be clear in the bond package. You know, they 
this has been done before. Well, if you want new uniforms for the band, you're going to have to vote for. Yeah, you know what I'm going to say, right? <laughs> the giant stadium. <laughs> so you're going to lump things that are disparate altogether. Now, it is my hope that the bond committee is going to come together and lay it out in stages. If you approve this, we can do this. If you approve this, we can do this. If you approve this, we can do this. It is my hope that they'll put it all out so that it's logical and it lays out the progress and how we're going to get this done. And oh, by the way, the people that are being hurt, displaced, damaged, businesses, upset, whatever, this is how we're going to take care of them. Now, I'm sure, and, and I, I'm going to leave the business's name out of it because I have nothing against the business, but I'm sure there are local businesses that are close by to the airport that are going to benefit enormously. And I think they're very happy about this. I would be too. But I'd like to know what is their buy-in? What is their investment? I think that should be public. I think if any one of the warehouses or companies that are close by there is putting in, I don't know, million dollars, $5 million, whatever it may be, we should know about that. That would be encouraging. That would signal buy-in. That would signal that there's a desire for this expansion as opposed to we, the people in the city of McKinney, doing this for them. So now when you take $200 million, you divide it by 200000 Ah, what is that? $1,000 a person? Is that right? Let me whip out the calculator. I think I might have missed a zero there. <laughs> Again, the dangers of doing this on the fly. So, but the principle still holds true, right? If you're going to make it a giant investment, you need to understand the cost associated with it, the opportunity cost associated with it. So what do I mean? So if we put in this airport and we basically restrict other things, what is, yeah, it is a thousand dollars by the way, um, if we restrict other things from occurring, what are we losing out on? What what is what is the downside? For instance, and, and I'm I'm going to make this up because I don't know, but if I have I don't know farmland that's been uh, there long before the airport, but for the last twenty five years or whatever, yeah, it's small craft. There's an occasional larger plane that comes in, it disrupts my flock or my animals or whatever, but it's pretty infrequent. I can still do business here. I can still do what what I need to do to stay functional. Well, if I'm starting to get 15 flights in of larger planes every day, that's going to create a problem. So now that farm may have to close and relocate. And that's not just the cost of the money. That's the cost of what that farmer produces. Now, he may just show up at the farmer's market. We don't know because, again, I'm making this up. The point is I'm trying to demonstrate what the idea of a lost opportunity is, right? The cost of the lost opportunity. Now, do I think that what the airport's going to bring in is going to offset that and be better? Maybe. It's entirely possible. But every airport that's ever been built with government money really never becomes successful and turns into a net positive on that alone. It's dependent on the local businesses around it. It's dependent upon the things that come in because there's an airport there. So that's where the city can come in and say, well, you know, we did this, we did that. And with 
with this additional stuff that's come in, it's offset the cost. And again, most of the time that works out. I'm not suggesting it won't work out here. I'm merely asking the question, have they thought this through? And if they do have a plan or they have thought it through to where they at least acknowledge there's some unknowns there, are they going to be public with that? That's a fair question. But again, going back to the machine, their vested interest is to do this for more money and more power. So we look at this. We know there's going to be a bond. So the opposition, how do you go against this? How do you do it in the correct way? Well, you have to be present. You have to ask those questions. You have to build up a legitimate network of people that don't actually have anything against the airport, but they're questioning whether or not the $200 million is a wise investment. If you just show up at city council meetings and you hammer on how this is terrible and we shouldn't do this, you failed because you don't have something to offer to replace it. So when you have the machine and you're fighting the machine, whether it's power achieved through power perceived or vice versa, you have to be careful on how you fight that battle. You have to approach it from the standpoint that we acknowledge you're there. We acknowledge the amount of control that you might currently have. We're willing to work with you on the things that we agree on, but we're going to create, we're going to find a way to go against you and go against you well in these things we disagree with. So bottom line, if everybody's pulling the wagon in different directions, if everybody has different ideas of what the goals are, if everybody is more concerned about themselves than the mission, you cannot build a machine. But when you're going up against a machine, the only way to successfully beat it is with another machine. Now, I'm cautious about that. I am not enthusiastic about having a machine. But at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself, is the possibility of tyranny worse than the existing tyranny, right? Is a plausible future worse than the current present? And I'm going to tell you, that's a hard sell because a whole lot of people are comfortable and they're quite happy with where we're at right now. For better or for worse, that's where we're at. So the machine is successful. The machine does what it does. You are in its grasp. The question is, what are you going to do? See, that's, again, back to the problem with power. Once you have it, you cease to pay attention to those around you. You cease to need the feedback or the help from those around you. You think that because you have power now, you will always have power. You think because you have money now, you will always have money. Now, if you want a couple of examples of what happens, you need not look any further than the Carnegie family or the Vanderbilts. At one time, these guys were insanely powerful and wealthy. And for a generation, or maybe two, that was the case. But then, they didn't do things in such a way to perpetuate that. They were surpassed. They were pushed out of the way. And maybe they were tolerated or grafted into another family. But this goes on all the time. And you want to know why there was such a machine in New York? Because there was more money than... (laughs) 
<laughs> anybody can know what to do it. And if you really want to see something fun, go look up exactly the some of the exploits of J.P. Morgan later in life. So, again, I kind of went a little off the tangent here, right? I, I, I didn't necessarily mean to go where I went, but it's important that you understand when there's a machine, the machine has its own needs, its own desire, its own wants. And even though it may be benign, even though it may be your machine, eventually it goes where it wants to go and you have to remain with it. So at the end of the day, when you look in the mirror, if you belong to that machine, you have to be able to ask yourself with a clean conscience, are we doing good? Are we benefiting the community? Are we looking out for what's best for the general public? I'm going to tell you a lot of these people that are in the machine, they believe it. They really do. The only way in my mind that you can comprehensively go against this machine, wherever you are, whatever, whatever the extent of its control and power is, is with another machine. The grassroots is great. I'm a member. I'm active. We do what we can do to push back and hold the line and do these things, but we're only so effective. When it's to the point that our, the people that are on our team don't think they need us because, well, quite frankly, some cases they don't. That means the machine's gotten away from us. That means that we don't have a machine that we are working. We don't have a team that is our own to be productive. And that ought to concern you. You know, we the people have a vested interest in what's going on. We the people are supposed to be the final authority of what goes on in this country, this state, the county, the city, the school board. Yet, we're not there. We're complacent. And I think a lot of it is because these people see the machine, they accept it for what it is, and as long as it doesn't hurt them personally, they just don't care. Can I watch the Cowboys tonight or Sunday? Okay. Can I go to uh, McDonald's and get my dinner? Sure. Okay. Does my Pizza Hut delivery get here on time? Yeah. Well, okay, great. I'm not suggesting any of that's inherently bad. I'm just suggesting that if you want to look at why we're where we're at, you have to accept that that's the consequences of the actions of the machine and not being properly pushed back against, in my opinion. Now we're going to be coming up next week. We're going to, we're going to wrap this up tomorrow. We're going to talk about a couple of, uh, things that are pressing and hopefully some uh, different ideas of how we can get where we're going. And uh, I am doing my level best to stay positive. And it's a challenge. But I believe there's a cry for liberty. I believe that even though it looks like there's no way forward, even though it looks like the bad guys are in charge, I believe the majority actually does desire liberty. The cry of liberty is inside all of us. It's just a question of how do we define it and how do we know it? How do we, how do we bring that message forward? How do we let the general public know that this is not what they signed up for? And even if you're content, just consider life could be that much better with a little more liberty, a little more freedom. And with that, folks, 
This has been According to Callus, and I would ask you, join me back on Friday. That's going to be January the 20th. It'll be episode 337, and we'll talk about just different things going on and how you might be involved. And with that, I'll see you on the other side.